Okay. Thank you, guys. It is, uh, it's truly an honor, a joy to, to be here and to just to, especially Baptism Sunday. Yeah. For those of you who, who know me, which is just these three here, uh, Baptism Sunday is my favorite Sunday of the year, so what, a, what an honor to be a part of that and to, to celebrate with you all. Um, before we really begin this morning, I just want to give a little bit of information, some things you might need to know about me. Garth mentioned a few things. Yep, born in Toronto, raised in Oakville, college in Saskatchewan, married in Albertan, live in BC, my best friend's from Montreal. So I love Canada, and <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great country, and uh, I love the people in this country, and we've been serving in Maple Ridge for almost six years, and uh, we've got five years of marriage, and we've got great families on both sides, and you know, it's, it's quite, quite a journey that, that we've been on, in, in the, particularly the last six years, and it's been exciting. And so, like I've already said, Baptism Sunday is my favorite Sunday because it, it demonstrates um, the power of the gospel in people's lives. Um, someone told me once, isn't Easter Sunday your favorite? Shouldn't that be your favorite Sunday as, as a believer? And I said, if Easter Sunday also is Baptism Sunday, then yes. But... Because Baptism Sunday, just, it just demonstrates, again, the reality of Easter in someone's life. And so that's why it's my favorite, because baptism, like we've heard, it's all about identifying with Jesus. The symbol, dying, washing, rising, pointing to the unity that we have through faith in Christ. And you can say that baptism is this line in the sand, right? or a fork in the road. This is, this, is, this is who I'm living for now. This is declaring what I am all about, what I'm all in for. Roger, awesome. So we're going to look at a short passage today, uh, which I believe is very fitting for Baptism Sunday. We're going to look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 and 15, if you have your Bibles here. So 2 Corinthians is in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts then Romans, then 1 Corinthians, then 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, 14 to 15. So as you're, as you're flipping there, I just want to give a little bit of background, some context of this passage. The Apostle Paul, if you've heard of him, he wrote this letter around the year 55 AD while he was working and traveling in Macedonia. Much of the letter has to deal with the relationship between suffering and the power of the Spirit in Paul's life and his ministry and his journeys as people were wondering, how could a man who supposedly is blessed by God, sent by God, be going through such horrible things all the time? And so the larger portion of chapter 5 highlights and explains some of the motivations that Paul has for continuing in gospel ministry, even after suffering so much. And Paul spends a good amount of time reminding the church in Corinth, so we all need reminders, that unity with Christ, following Jesus, serving Him is worth any amount of suffering that He or any one of us may face. So let's read this passage together. Verse 14 and 15. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. Let's pray together. 
Father God, again, we, we thank you for the chance to be here. Thank you for uh, the work that you have done here in this city and the work that you are doing today and, and, and the people that are, are standing up for you. God, I pray that this morning um, would not be uh, about me being here, but about you doing a work uh, in this church and in the lives of, 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 of this congregation and particularly those who were baptized today. So I pray that your words would come forth accurately and that you would be honored. Amen. So I want us kind of just to dive into the passage really, really quickly, just right away. Uh, verse 14, it says, The love of Christ controls us. Or you could say it compels us, constrains us, motivates us. And, and Paul, and he's saying, this is what's going on. The love of Jesus is motivating me towards continuing in gospel ministry. Preaching, traveling, this message announcing that people can be reconciled to the God of the universe, that, that God is doing something, that He is writing what's been made wrong. And so He's traveling all over the place trying to make disciples. And so this love of Christ, Paul is saying, is it's reminding us to live no longer for ourselves, but for Him who died for us, which is what it says. And this love penetrates into our hearts. As, as we've heard even some of these testimonies, oh, it was here, and then it really got into, I just hit the mic, really got into the heart. And when it penetrates our hearts, it begins to change us, begins to change our desires and how we live. So this morning, before, before we get too far, I want everyone to close their eyes. Just close your eyes for a second. And I want us to just think and, and, and challenge us to wonder, how often do we just stop and pause and think about the great love that Jesus has for you. Of all that He would do for you. Just stop and think about that for a second. That He loves you. That He died for you. That He died for me. And when we ponder the love that Jesus has for us, it should stir up appreciation. It should stir up worship, thanksgiving, obedience, desire to, to live for Him as we, as we ponder that. You can, you can open your eyes again, but I encourage you to continue to, to think about that more often, to pause. And what I want to get at this morning is at the core, basic level where Paul's getting at, he's saying the love of Christ has to be the motivation for, to, to change our lives, has to be the motivation to serve others, it has to be the motivation to preach the Gospel, the motivation for any godly activity whatsoever. And if it's not the motivation, then we have a cracked foundation right from the beginning. And this foundation will lead us down a path of, of guilt or despair or fear or legalism and self-righteousness. And, and I've been there. I've been there before where it's been about, it's about obeying, 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 and, and, and being better at obeying than other people rather than letting the love of Jesus motivate me. We try to um, be good out of duty rather than understanding that Jesus loves us and allowing that to shape our heart and bring delightful obedience. So if you're writing anything down, if you take notes, you can write this down this morning. First thing, Jesus' love motivates us. I've said it already, but Jesus' love motivates us. Uh, this is just something that is very helpful for me and I hope you can use that and help to remember uh, the true motivation that we have. And not only did the love of Christ motivate Paul to carry on in ministry, it motivated Jesus Himself to come and willingly die in our place. Paul says in this text right after, 
all have died, but we're sitting here alive. He's saying Christ came as our substitution, as our representative to be perfection in our place, to taste death, death for us. And so then when we place our faith in Christ, that we are dying as we unite with Him. And so baptism is the beautiful picture of this. Physically, these individuals did not die as they were baptized this morning. That would have been kind of awkward. Right? But the picture is of Christ's death and His resurrection and, and, and the declaration that now, identifying with this, believing this, I have life, I have new life, I have eternal life, and I die to sin, I die to selfishness, I die to my way of living. Jesus paid the death penalty for all sin, and therefore all who trust in Christ have had that penalty paid for, and God counts that old life, you could say even ended, freeing us from that future penalty, future wrath towards sin, because Jesus took it for us. So we're free then from sin, and we're free now to live for God, who we learn to love more and more. This is what Paul is getting at. And we see, as he sets that up, one clear reason why Jesus died. He declares it right, right in these verses. Why did he sacrifice himself for us? It says that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him. We'd stop living for us. We'd stop living for now. Stop living for sin and start living for him. And this is a new way of thinking. It's, it's a worldview shift. right? It's, it's surrendering our ways, our plans, as we heard. Right? And, and, and our dreams, and then beginning to adopt a completely different worldview that is now controlled by the love of Christ. So Paul mentions uh, earlier in chapter 5 the, the reality of one day where we're all going to stand before the Lord and give account for, for our life, what we have done, what we have said. And then he combines this with and the love that Christ has shown for us. And he says his conclusion really is, how can I not live for him? knowing that one day I'm going to face Him and knowing what He's done for me and, and, and forgiven me, and how can I not live for Him? Because Jesus changes lives. He brings life transformation. And it's the very will of God that each one of us would learn to live for Him instead of living for ourselves. And this is, this is a battle. This is, this is hard. But this is discipleship. And some of you, maybe you're new here today, say discipleship, maybe you've heard that word. What is a disciple? Not quite sure. I've got uh, a little bit of a, of a working definition here. Again, helpful that it's Baptism Sunday. Make disciples, baptize them. Here's a definition of a disciple. A disciple is someone that hears about Jesus, believes Jesus, follows Jesus, obeys Jesus, identifies with Jesus, and communicates Jesus. This is what we're all called to, and today we've seen people publicly identify with Jesus. And I know that we all know what it means to identify with something or someone, maybe more than we realize. So I have a picture going to come up on the screen here. So, I have another picture on the screen. So, we, we, we get this, right? And uh, that's actually that's the first time I've ever worn a Wings jersey in my life. So, probably the last. Um, but uh, it was, it's for, for, for... Some people got their stones ready. There. Anyways. 
My question, though, is, what if there was a Jesus jersey? No, seriously. What if in the Bible it said, all those who follow me must wear the Jesus jersey? And it was just a big J or something on a jersey. Would you wear it? See, we're so quickly to, to, to rock a jersey like that, whether we cheer for them or not, or, or whatever. But if there was a Jesus jersey, would you go around wearing the Jesus jersey? I identify visually with him. Now, the Bible does not ever say you must wear this specific item of clothing to identify yourself with Jesus. Uh, the Bible doesn't have in the back, you have to go to the bookstore and get the fish on your car and get the WWJD bracelet and wear a cross as a necklace. I just hit the mic again. The Bible doesn't say that. He's never commanded us to do that, but that's fine if you do that. What he has commanded us to do, though, all Christians, is to follow him and to identify him with our lives. So it may not be a jersey that says Jesus on it, but there should be something about our lives that someone can say, you are identifying with Jesus instead of just the worldly ways, instead of just yourself, your own ideas. So that's why we had a little bit of fun with those pictures. Uh, and Paul is reminding the church in Corinth about this. Guys, remember, we have to identify with Jesus. And you say, he's writing a letter to a church. Why do they need to be reminded? Well, the same reason that we need to be reminded. And you can go to the next slide. It's because it's easier to live for me. Straight up. It's way easier to live for me. And so I need Reminders. We need reminders. The church in Corinth needed reminders. Hey, live for Him. He died for you. Don't live for yourself anymore. It's easier to live for myself and what I want. It's natural because we're naturally born sinful. It's easier to choose sin and selfishness. It's easier to, to rule my life or, or try to rule my life or to think that it is even my job to rule my life. It's easier to just watch TV all day. It's easier to pursue my comfort, safety, and luxury. It's easier to go with the flow of the world and blend in. It's easier to indulge. It's easier to not care. It's easier to not study. It's easier to not pray or give financially to spread the gospel. It's easier to find a job that just suits my wants, that's uh, close to my friends or my family or whatever. It's easier to not sacrificially love my family, my kids. It's easier to dwell in the man cave. It's easier to spend my time and my money just on video games. It's easier to click a mouse and try to gratify my sexual desires online instead of pursue, patiently pursuing purity or maintaining faithfulness to a spouse. It's easier to complain. It's easier to quit. And it's easier just to be lazy. It's easier. That's why we need reminders. For parts of six summers, I worked at Camp Minioe in Muskoka. Some of you may have gone there or currently have been around there. I love that camp. It's a great area. Uh, one particular summer, 2004, I was very excited to go back to camp. And you may say, oh, it's a great Christian camp and serve the campers and show them the love of Jesus. That was in there, but it wasn't my primary motivation. This would have been my third summer. My primary motivation was, was kind of dual. The first half was I was just excited to visit my camp friends again that I have made. Great friends, great relationships are made at camp. And I said, that, oh, I'm so amped up to go back to camp. The second part of that was, um, there's pretty girls at camp. 
And I thought, this is going to be the summer that for sure I will convince one of those pretty girls to, to date me and like me and everything will be great. And so my primary motivation to go and serve at camp was a little bit misdirected. And um, all summer, it was all, all about being with the friends, trying to scope out chicks. You know, it didn't really work. Uh, it really didn't. Um, and it took a while... Until finally some other boys camp staff were saying, Hey, Phil, what are you here for? I needed to be reminded. It's easier for me to just hang out with my friends at camp and not give the time and energy to the campers and teach them about Jesus. Sin is just way easier. It's easier, but it's hollow and it's deadly. It'll always leave you wanting more and giving less. But you see, Jesus sets us free from the slavery to sin. He makes it now possible, possible for us to follow Him, possible for us to say yes to holiness and righteousness and obedience. He makes it possible. And each one of us face a daily decision as we wake up, as we go through the day, as you're about to go to bed, either saying, I'm doing it my way, or to say, Jesus, in my life, be glorified. But that's the decision that we face. To say, your will, your way, even if it's confusing, even if it's difficult, because sometimes it will be. I'm not quite sure. We heard again, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your understanding. Okay, in my life, be glorified. I'm not quite sure, but okay. So what does that mean? 2015 in Windsor, Ontario. I don't know all the specifics of all of your lives of exactly how that's going to play out, but I can give some general thoughts and general examples. And generally it means fighting not uh, physically pounding each other, but it means fighting a battle against self and, and sin. And if you're going to write things down again, you can, you can write this down as it comes up on the screen, is recognizing that we do fight in a daily battle against sin and self every single day. I have to wake up every single day and, and go, okay, in my life, Jesus be glorified. I've got to think about the Gospel because I'm so prone to talk to my wife I'm so prone to, to live for me, even from the beginning. The baby's crying. Yeah, kick, kick, heel. You go, you get the baby. Whoa. My way or Jesus be glorified? So it means waking up, thinking about the cross, thinking about Jesus on the cross, but then thinking about Jesus no longer on the cross. Thinking about Him risen, ruling, reigning, and returning. That's very exciting. And it means deep self-examination, which can be tricky. What is going on in my life? Am I really living for Christ? Am I really denying myself here? It means identifying, researching, identifying the ways, the behaviors, the thoughts of the world and saying, no, 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 no. I'm not doing that. I'm not going down that road. I'm going to stand for Christ now because Christianity is a battle. It's not a comfy, cozy, just religious club addition to your life. And Jesus is the one who, who called us to come and die, to call us to count the costs and, and follow Him. This may step on a little bit of toes. Um, what does it mean? It, it doesn't mean just following the American or the Canadian dream and just pursuing luxury and comfort at all costs. Um, there's a lot of luxury and comfort offered to us in North America. And when was the last time you stopped and wondered, why, why is it that I find myself in this affluent region of the world? Why is it that I'm so fortunate and blessed. Why, why is that, God? Why, why was I born here? Why was I able to move here and have these opportunities? Um, it's not so that you can just live it up 
and simply enjoy being fortunate. But for us to say, how might Christ live in us here, and therefore, how will we live counterculturally in that affluence? How, how can we live differently? How can we stand out for the Lord? So instead of the pursuit, the endless pursuit of luxury and comfort, then we pursue simplicity and generosity and contentment and sacrifice, which many of you, I know, have done in helping the gathering get, get launched. It means that we don't just spend all our money on us. Christ didn't die for us that we would just live it up. We've got a mission. We've got a mission to, to be involved in. And, and, and there are enemies in this mission. And the, sometimes people like to blame everything on Satan. Satan is, 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 is an enemy for sure. But there's another, another enemy that we have to battle against, and that's our own hearts. James uh, 4, 7 says, If you resist the devil, that he will flee from you. 2 Timothy 2, 22 says, Flee from the desires of your own heart. Flee those youthful passions. So we're supposed to stand up to the devil with faith in Christ, and we're supposed to run from ourselves. Which is very interesting. Who's, who's the more dangerous threat? We have to constantly, whether you're young or old or in the middle... Say, in my life, Jesus, be glorified all the time. And I do not get this right all the time. This is not a sermon for, for Phil to come from Vancouver and say, yeah, you guys, get your act together. This is every day. I, I need this. Every day. Again, it's a fundamental shift in thinking. My parents are here. I'm not going to embarrass them because they, they don't want me to. And that I will respect my parents. Honor your father and mother. But my mom and dad would try to teach me an acronym growing up, a way of thinking that was joy, Jesus, others, yourself. I had it completely backwards, yoige. <laughs> and I remember my mom saying, yoige does not work, it's not even a word. And if you continue with yoige, it's just, it's just not going to work. Joy, joy, joy. And, and, and we get it backwards in our culture. It's, it's so me-centered in North America. And I've got it backwards, and God is constantly working in my heart to change it. I don't have it all together. I'm fighting alongside. I need your help. You need my help. That, that's how church works. So what else does it mean? It, it means to live for Him is to spend our, our lives, to spend our, ourselves for the gospel and his kingdom. To look for creative ways to do this. How would we might, might meet new people, serve these people, whether the poor and the powerless, or the widows, the orphans, or the sick, the hungry, or the, the middle, middle class and the, and the rich? How, how do we meet these people? How do we engage with them? I mean, you've got to stop and say, how often, how often am I really seeking God's will? How often am I throwing mine in there? How often am I allowing the love of Christ to control and motivate me? Or am I just simply choosing to live for me? We need God's help. And, and this may seem like a heavy, really serious, challenging sermon, and, and it is, but I do want to encourage us as, as, we, as we kind of wrap up here. I want to remind you, again, the opportunity that I have to, to live outside of Vancouver. God is doing a really cool work in Vancouver and, and across Canada today. There's a lot of cool things going on that maybe you know about, maybe you don't. Uh, I'm not going to get into all the details of everything, but I want you to know that, that God's moving. There are more people thinking about these things. There are more people asking the hard questions. 
challenging the status quo. There are more people digging into Scripture and trying to figure out what does it actually say. Uh, they're learning to say yes to God and no to self. God is, is stirring up a movement in the midst of a selfish culture. Um, I'll say this, though. From what I've seen so far uh, with other fellow youth pastors, even just in Vancouver, I feel like this movement is going to look a little bit differently than what a lot of us are used to Christianity looking like. God is in the business of doing new things. So may, something cool is coming, but I think it's going to be different than maybe some of us who are older have seen before. So just be ready for that. Um, I'm not quite sure what it's going to look like either, but there's, just, there's something going on. So again, each one of us has to ask ourselves, is what I'm doing to bring glory to God or simply to selfishly please myself? This doesn't mean you can never take a holiday. This doesn't mean you can never go out to, to eat with your friends or family or, or play uh, dodgeball against Duncan. It, means you, it doesn't mean you can never do that. Right? But it, it does mean, again, shifting the priorities, the pattern of life from me to Christ because we're naturally prone to choose me every time. It's a fight. And so what I want us to do is, is close with some fighting tips and they all start with the letter P. It's Pastor Phil's fighting tips that all start with the letter P. There's a lot of, a lot of the letter P going on. Uh, the first one is pray. Honestly though, prayer is the easiest and hardest thing to do. You, can all, you could all be praying right now and I wouldn't even really know. You can just start praying. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start talking to God. Right like that. But on the flip side, as soon as you set your heart and your mind towards prayer, distractions, attacks, all these things come and it's like all of a sudden it becomes so hard. It's like, what? So continue, continue to pray. Continue to discipline yourself to pray. Because the distractions will come. Uh, the second P is prepare. What I mean by prepare is, is study. Study the ways of Christ. This book, study. Um, get with like-minded people who are also interested in, in learning more. Whether it is a small group, whether it's a, a friends, maybe at school, maybe that's your family together. Let's, let's study together. Let's learn this together. Don't fight alone. We're not called to fight alone. The third P is persevere. Persevere because there's going to be defeats along the way. There's going to be moments where you fail. When you live for yourself. When, when you fall. When you sin. When you give in to temptation. In those moments, look, look to the cross. Look to Christ. Get up. Don't despair. Keep, keep fighting. Because it's an endurance fight. It's not, it's not a 100 meter sprint. Right? So persevere. The fourth is ponder. Like I mentioned at the very beginning. Meditate on the gospel truths. I heard uh, a pastor say, the most basic truths should be our most frequent thoughts. And to let that just resonate, allow the love of Christ to, to actually go deep into our soul and to see how He changes our lives to live for Him. The final P is pounce. Pounce. When the Holy Spirit does point out an area of sin or, or a, a brother or sister in the Lord comes to you, hopefully gently, to help point out maybe a blind spot that you have, kill it quickly. Act quickly. Pounce right away. Don't, don't let it fester. Don't let it just sit there. Confess. Repent. Ask for forgiveness. Cling to the grace uh, of God that is available. Don't, don't let it just sit there. Uh, it is way, way better to, to deal with it quickly than to allow it to keep going. So what does it mean Windsor, 2015, 
to no longer live for ourselves, but to live for Christ. It means for all of us to just say, again, in my life, be glorified. In my life, be glorified. That's what it means. And there's more that could be said. But what I want us to do, I just want to pray for, for each one of you guys here. And I want to thank you for um, having us come and visit you guys. It's, uh, it's a privilege to preach anywhere. And I'll, I'll take any opportunity that, uh, to do so. Father God, we, we do thank you. We thank you that, that your word is, is given to us. We have access to it here. And we thank you that it's true. And Jesus, I, again, I thank you for those who declared their allegiance in baptism. Would you cover them with just um, an extra measure of grace in these coming days? Remind them of your, your love and your presence in their lives. And God, I pray for this church. Whatever the future has for the gathering, I pray that you would be the, the clear focus central and that you your your will would be done and that each each one here would would say Jesus in my life be glorified and Lord I thank you for again the opportunity and the, and the great time it's been to to meet so many people and to see the heart that this church has uh, to love you but we all need reminders to, to live for you instead of ourselves so I thank you Lord in Jesus name amen